Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. All right. What, are we just going to dive oh, into yeah, it? We're, 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 yeah, we can't decide who's going to do the intros. We're doing it at the same time. Okay, we're, right. let's say the take two. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Three, <laughs> Three, two, two one. Two. Welcome, Welcome to Highbrow, Lowbrow. I'm Josh Gershon And I'm Cooper Gagan. Each week we pick a theme and talk about two movies that fit that theme. One highbrow, one lowbrow. Except for this week, we're doing a nobrow. Which is like a casual chat, other topics, not movie-focused you know, to save us time, whatever. I explain it every time. Yeah. We, and we talked, this is our second time recording it. We're a little on edge because it was a really good take. <laughs> I know we did great. And then it, my, my mic wasn't recording. <laughs> it's really a shame. It was very funny because we did it very naturally and we're forcing it now, but I don't know, man, that show is maybe. A peek behind the curtain. <laughs> behind the curtain. <laughs> okay. Our topics are great. They're good topics. The first one is <laughs> the down- best, the best topic, <laughs> the best topic. First one is uh, Downtown Abbey. Oh, yeah, Downtown Abbey. We've yeah. both been watching it. I'm a little farther ahead than you. I'm on like season five. Right. I'm ju- I'm like five or six episodes into season two. Yeah. Uh, which is like almost oh. the end because they're short seasons. Yeah. Still, uh, It's still good season two. Yeah. It's, season five is a little rough. It's a really interesting, you know, it's one of those shows I never like avoided, but it's just one of those ones I kind of missed. Yeah. Uh, and I always thought it would be good, but it was also because my, like, my mom watches it. Everyone's mom watches it. And she would always say, like, oh, yeah, the first season's great. But then they're all kind of a little disappointing after that. So I'm like, a resounding endorsement. <laughs> but now that I'm watching, she's very excited. Uh, it's uh, I like Downton Abbey a lot. It's a good show. Yeah, it's very good. Um, I will, Yeah, I agree. Season one's, like, the strongest. And then they kind of get into this thing where it's, like, every character is just acting, like, the worst all the time. Yeah. Kind of to create drama. I guess it's just the soap opera problem where you need constant shit to be happening so everyone has to act like insane nightmares. Right. It's tricky, especially because if you keep giving people new weird shit to do, then they just become inconsistent demons, right? Yeah. The the, the Riverdale problem or the 13 Reasons Why problem, basically. But without Nabby, at least in season two, what I'm starting to pick up is that I guess the thing about it is I'm getting a lot of very similar uh well really it's just the Bates stuff keeps re-upping oh the Bates stuff never goes away which i like it a lot in which season is one crazy and season one was very good john ba- uh for those who haven't watched john Bates, he's like he, he's like the eyes in basically he's a new guy but he's got he to doubt nabby he's like a valet but he's like he's got a past it keeps coming back to haunt him that's funny i forgot that he was like the peggy basically yeah episode one but like it really is just because henry the the footman yeah is constantly just trying to get him fired with these weird schemes uh, wait you mean thomas thomas yeah who fuck is henry i don't know they all have like kind of similar british names <laughs> yeah so thomas uh is always trying to get fired and like you kind of just because he has a limp that's like i i think it's because actually i i, I think it's because thomas got passed over for the job right it's like very early on and then it, it just sort of those things that by by this point in season two it just sort of feels like they're going after him just because that's just what they do yeah, um, and it doesn't get better than that. It yeah. just is more of that. Yeah, there's a, a scene in... A, I'll, I'll be vague to avoid spoil where a character from his past uh, like says, like, you haven't seen the last of me. I'll get John Bates no matter what. And I remember like groaning, being like, get... Can you let this go? I, I, yeah. I, want, I want fancy upstairs-downstairs drama. And I feel like for if we've done this for two full seasons... Anyway, I, I'm being more overly negative because I actually really, really do like the show and I do find the spade stuff good but it is the soap opera problem of if you do too much different stuff it's crazy if you do much the same stuff it's samey yeah i mean it's also and then also as the seasons go the characters kind of become characters of themselves the flanders uh thing yeah Yeah. which which happens especially with the upstairs people because like the downstairs people are actually much more complex characters in general yeah um but the upstairs people it's like shit what's the the father's name uh lord grantham yeah lord grantham he just becomes like He's just becomes like a cartoonish idiot by the end of it. Like he's just a total moron about literally everything. And you kind of realize that as it goes, that he's an idiot with money. He doesn't understand how anything works. He's kind of just like a dick. He doesn't like any, but any sort of progress at all. There's like a whole thing where they're bitching about, he's bitching about having a radio in the house. Like it's like evil, (laughs) but also just like, he just is really bad at, be. he's bad at his job which you don't realize until a couple seasons in it's funny because he's not like a, I, I know he's like ostensibly the lead of the show but he's really like not in it that much he kind of just like 
people like revolve around him, but yeah. he doesn't have a lot of like arcs himself. You know, he really occasionally will have moments where he's very will, like make the right decision. Yeah. You know, like uh, I mean, early on, then the pilot there's a the pilot ends with that of him just being like, I'm going to even though not this makes sense, I'm going to do this thing because it's the right thing to do. Is that letting Bates stay or something? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, but like, yeah, it's interesting just how little he's he's in it. So I can see like if you're trying to like make this character more into it you like heighten the little things he does have which are like a little confused about progress yeah and you know having to struggle to keep the abbey so he kind of has to be the abbey yeah 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 the yeah the house the estate, the estate. yeah yeah because yeah. it's not I, I don't know it's not actually an abbey but it's called abbey yeah it's a big house it used to be an abbey yeah it is a huge house it's uh, quite large <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah and like they they kind of the way they kind of try to have you be on his side is that his opposition to progress is that he's like oh and like modernizing downtown abbey we're going to like put people out of jobs but it's also like he's he's just hiding the fact that he doesn't understand how anything there's there's <laughs> how, how to run a business uh some good things about downtown abbey uh it i oh. think the acting is very strong all around except for cora oh i think she's great I oh think i think she's just kind of like a bland mess <laughs> Funny, she again like Lord Grantham. She's not really in it that much. No, all I really remember, you know, she has a little bit to do in season one. She's a little bit of her butting heads with Crawley, Miss Crawley, in season early season two, like Matthew's mom, right? With her butting heads about stuff. But like, it's just the thing where like any ups, upstairs downstairs stuff, the least interesting people are going to be the most the fanciest because they're just sort of being lore. It's like the whole point of the show is like how people revolve around that, like the the children who are pushing against the the structures yeah. of the world or the downstairs who are like ostensibly a part of it, but are actually, you know, like chatty, a little sassy, a yeah. little saucy. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like the upstairs people, you have to manufacture drama a lot more for them because their lives are so easy. Right. And yeah. it's like bigger, weirder stuff. Yeah. Um, but, uh, or, or a lot of stuff that is just like entirely created by them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I, that is the other thing is that they, especially with like Edith later on, there's a lot of her plot lines where the solution is like, just don't do that. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, which honestly, we all know people in real life who are like that, where it's like, yeah, you're having a lot of drama. I think the solution is to just stop doing that. <laughs> all right. I'm going to go and drop a, what I am told is a pipe and hot take. Okay. I, I haven't gotten to the later seasons. Yeah. And I know Edith does some stuff that is not so great, even the earlier ones. I think everyone's way too mean to Edith. I think oh, like episode Edith is one, a huge piece of shit. <laughs> I think like er, episode one, everyone is basically like, "Oh yeah, and these are our daughters." You know, there's Mary and Sybil, and like, and her just fucking ugly, awful troll of a daughter, Edith. Was, and they were proven right. They're, I, just, <laughs> they're just like super mean to her all the time for no reason, or I guess would seem for no reason. And like, I don't know, she just sort of like hangs out and does stuff. Yeah, and I, <laughs> sorry, my, my my big thing. There's a there's like a bit where Mary fucks up this like relationship right as like revenge for something which is fair yeah but also it's like a horrible misstep because that's how you get rid of people they go into relationships if, like, if mary <laughs> really wanted to avoid either she would just be the bigger person leave her alone she'd move out with her like you know boy boy eventually that's true that's really funny and right but like the, everyone's just so driven by just this frothing white hot hatred of edith as a character just like leave her alone yeah mary is also a psychopath <laughs> Is this just a show about just like freaking crazy people? Yeah, it's like seven psychopaths who live in the biggest house in the world and in a bunch of people who work for them and are just doing their best. Right. And the the, the man with the deepest voice as the butler. Oh man, he's the best. He's, he's so cool. He is by far my favorite character. <laughs> Although and, and actually it is a funny thing where it's like um the show deals a lot with like you know, like people struggling with progress and things, but then mm -hmm. other times everyone will be like surprisingly cool about thing about stuff that I do not think would have been true in real life, just because like you can't hate them, right? Um, I think like especially with Tom, I mean in 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 the pilot, you know Thomas is gay, gay right? Yeah. So like when people find out Thomas is gay, I don't think it's a spoiler. Like it's eventually going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, when people are finding out Thomas is gay, like most of them are like pretty cool with it in a way that I do not think would be true. Yeah. But it's just like you don't want it, you you want to still like these characters even if it's like anachronistic for them to be like pretty chill about stuff. Yeah. So that's the thing that the show does that I'm like fine with because I'm like I don't want everyone to be like realistically homophobic. Right. It's but like, it is interesting when they stretch it. Right. Like kind of the reason we're watching Downton and not a different down uh, upstairs downstairs a different upstairs is that they're like often decent people. Like yeah. a version of this where they are 
like like normally snooty yeah is terrible because it's just like it's just like them being shitty to the downstairs people and downstairs people being like well this sucks yeah like they need to have like redeeming qualities despite their privilege yeah that's sort of what makes the class like element of the show work that's why yeah i guess that's why like this family is special is because they are right that's, down, down with the pores yeah yeah well, that's that's the upstairs down no so not the, that's the uh um the why here why now it's yeah like, what if there was a family of snooty people who were kind of kind of cool. nice <laughs> <laughs> who like when given the option to be like horribly shitty to the pores choose to be just kind of do the decent thing yeah and instead <laughs> shitty to each other right yeah God, like, just the worst Mary is such a goddamn nightmare all the time. It's really frustrating. <laughs> I I like her watching her character though because she's like frustrating in a way that feels consistent. Like I think she's generally very confused and messy. Like that, and that's like her character. Yeah. And but like whereas sometimes there's shows where you see that and that reads as inconsistent writing or inconsistent acting. Where where with Downton it feels like oh this is just a frustrating character instead of this is a frustratingly written character. Yeah, she is like a very consistently terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> uh good show though yeah it's a good show i i now that i'm in season five i'm kind of zoning out like i'll be kind of doing other stuff for whole episodes because i'm just like it's we're it's i guess it's kind of jump the shark even though that's kind of a overused term yeah but like i'm just like i can't care about this nonsense that's happening although what's lily james is in it at this point and she's good how would we know yeah (laughs) what does she look like i took me an episode to figure out it was lily james i actually had to look it up on my phone i mean again to clarify i think lily james is like super talented and awesome but like it just looks completely different movie to movie yeah or it in real life moment to real life moment i've like seen pictures of her in the red carpet and been like i've never seen that woman before in my life (laughs) (laughs) yeah but she's really good yeah uh, and I know like uh, uh, Dan Stevens is on early and he obviously goes on to be like a much bigger star. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rose Leslie in season one goes on to Game of Thrones after that. Yeah, she's out pretty early. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, you, yeah, you she must was, be past her. She's like out in the middle of season one, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, she gets the Game of Thrones job. And you yeah, know. it's too bad because she was good. Yeah, yeah, there's a aren't there some are there some more Game of Thrones actors than that? I Oh, yeah. Well, Jorah Mormont. Jorah Mormont. Right. Jorah. Jorah Mormont. Jorah Mormont. Yeah, Jorah's good. Okay, yeah, with the that was like peak frustrating. Mary was like Mary and Jorah. Yeah, I mean, dude, I'm I'm in the middle of that. Too, oh, okay, so, so okay. Be careful. Yeah, uh, but yeah, good job. I don't know. It's funny we don't really have like hot takes in Down Abbey. It's just that it's interesting, frustrating in some ways. Um, I haven't seen any of the movies. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm almost there because I think there's only five seasons, and I'm on the last one. Yeah, uh, I just I do I want to shout out that like it's kind of interesting how the movies like. Like, they weren't just, like, going wide, here's the Downton Abbey movie. I feel mm-hmm. like they were very smart. Like, a lot of theaters will do, like, get dressed up and, like, have tea and, like, watch Like, Alamo is doing stuff like that. Sounds nice. And they're only in theaters for, like, a little bit of time. Like, they're very smart about, like, this is a very niche movie. Yeah. It's just, and we're only going to make it for that niche, and we're going to push it to that niche. You know? Yeah. It's not like, I don't know, like, for like a long time ago movie, it's Serenity, where it's just, like... Let's just release the Firefly movie and I'll call Firefly and see who shows up, you know? And I showed up and, and I, I did not know. know what Firefly was. I was it was I thought it was like a really interesting movie because I was like, wow, they're just expecting us to know who these people are. Like yeah. how bold <laughs> what interesting structure. Media res. <laughs> and then I was like walking out, my friend was like, that has to have been a TV show. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, I, I haven't seen Serenity since it came out. I'd be curious to go back, watch it and having seen Firefly, but also I haven't seen Firefly and Take ten years. I think I've maybe. only watched the pilot of Firefly. Uh, pilot's okay. It's, it gets better when it's like forty-five minute episodes. That makes sense. Yeah, it's like a little tighter, a little more fun. And you know, it's like it. It it's it's like a lot of TV. It like works better when it's like just be like understanding that it's a small medium. Yeah. Um. And then also when you're far in enough to kind of just know everybody, especially in a world like that. Yeah. Uh. Actually, not a terrible uh pivot to our next topic if we're done with downtown abbey all right yeah okay uptown abbey let's go uh, that's the sequel uptown abbey sounds fun yeah (laughs) okay here's okay here it is it's it's downtown abbey but then there's upton abbey yeah and it's just like another (laughs) yeah it's like down the road but like north because it's like north is up and then it's it's just like it's like they're all like mirror images but they're all like a little studio they're like inverses of each other right okay wait so it's like the downstairs characters are now upstairs or it's just like the upstairs people are like normal and the downstairs people are fucking nightmares it's like everyone's a mirror image of like another person like their mary is just like super normal oh. and like we're in a committed relationship it is like sure what you want. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah okay thomas is a psychopath though like yeah he's straight like okay he i just don't like it's like whenever it's like the mandate where they go into the writer's room, they're like, okay, 
We got A plot, B plot, C plot. What's the most evil thing Thomas can do? <laughs> and it's not even like just his action. Like a- every situation he has to go, he goes out of his way to say the shittiest thing. Yeah. Like it'll be like, what's a, someone, a character will be going off to war and, the, and Thomas will just be like, I bet you're going to fucking die, you fucking nerd. Yeah. <laughs> like, or, yeah. Even terrible people know that it is often socially advantageous to say things like that. And they're a little bit good at gilding that lily. Yeah. And you'll just like, somebody will be walking down in a hallway who he has like no problem with up in town now. And he'll just start like snarling at them. It's like, why are you doing this? He's basically just like an untrained pit bull. Yeah. He's like, yes, exactly. It's so, it, it, it is certain, I, I, I often will just like laugh at him in scenes just because it's just like, God, just shut up. Yeah, I know. And it's funny because like something bad will happen to him. There's like a couple plot lines where like something unfortunate happens to him, mm-hmm. um, often related to like the fact that he's gay mm-hmm. and you start to feel bad for him because like, homophobia is bad right but then you're like wait wait a minute this guy has been a total psychopath for like 50 episodes before this he like he doesn't deserve this specific thing but he deserves bad things to happen to him right it's like oh man poor thomas like the next scene he's just like stabbing a puppy uh okay next topic uh expectations ah yes broad topic great expectations great expectations the the book yep all right let's figure it out what's it about so it's a kid who he inherits he inherits a, a well a great wealth and then he goes to live with like a rich family he's got like a funny name right in great is expectations it, wait is, is it, it pip oh because I, I know there's like a south park parody of great expectations and pip is the british character on south park right it's not like it's not like chris angel or something weird like <laughs> i don't think it's Chris Angel. <laughs> i am looking it up or wait well, no who's the other who's the other magician that's actually named david after? copperfield is it david copperfield no that's the book david copperfield okay that makes sense okay so it is okay i'm gonna take great expectations uh <laughs> the character is named pip okay it is his second novel uh i think there's like a like a character like dickens characters just have silly names in general yeah because silly names are funny yeah i uh no nah, it doesn't look like there's anything weird in here I think I'm thinking of uh, of David Copperfield, right? Where there's people with funny names. By the way, w- this is not what our topic. No, is. we're you no, know, we're actually talking about how your expectations for movies and TV can affect your enjoyment of it. But I'm sort of enjoying this Dickens talk. Yeah. Have you ever read a Dickens book? Uh, I mean, I think I've read Christmas Carol. I've read yeah, I've read Christmas Carol. I think I read Great Expectations a long time ago. Yeah, I read about maybe like two or three chapters of Tale of Two Cities. So I was like, I was too young for it. I was like. Not like, oh, the material is just like I was in sixth grade. I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Oh, I might have been assigned Tale of Two Cities in, like, school. Yeah, I mean, I've read the Best of Times, Worst of Times chapter, which is fun yeah. and well-written yeah. and, inter- and interesting. Yeah. Uh, so expectations of yes. things. <laughs> Great and otherwise. <laughs> um, oh, what was our... What was our fucking... What was that pivot? I had a good segue. We were talking about Thomas and how he's a psychopath. What was the other show we were talking about? Firefly and Serenity. Firefly and Serenity. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And well, and how like, you know, when it's like just like a half hour small TV show, you're not expected. But if it's like a big hour long pilot, maybe you'll be like, this should be bigger. You know, yes. like oftentimes like when shows go big or like a double episodes, they're mm-hmm. bloated. Anyway, bit of a slant rhyme as a pivot, but expectation. So I saw a movie called Don't Worry, Darling. Right. Uh, it came out like a week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, there's been a lot of weird drama around it. There's apparently some behind the scenes uh, discord between uh, the director, Olivia Wilde, and Florence Pugh, and Harry Styles, and Chris Pine. Harry Styles may have spit on Chris Pine. I don't know. You can look at the video online. I don't think he did, but it's it's a weird video. Okay. Um, so this movie also, I think, had a lot of hype on it. Uh, it was like Warner Brothers, when they stripped down their release schedule for the fall, for their for various money reasons in the merger, they're... Oh, really is that like dar- the, the, the Batgirl... Yeah, so like backgrounding. Yeah, so uh, they pushed a lot of the movies out to next year, but the two, the only two movies they kept were Black Adam, you know, big DC's tentpole, mm-hmm. and Don't Worry, Darling. Right. It's got Harry Styles, who's like one of the biggest, most famous people in the world right now. Um, and I think the reviews have been like really harsh on Don't Worry, Darling, and people have been like really. It's like a movie everyone's like dunking on. Oh. Uh, and I'm not gonna say it's like a great movie. I think it's like fine. Um, this is stuff I enjoyed. The stuff I didn't. But I, I couldn't help but wonder if, like, if this thing had come out in, like, March and cost, like, half as much, didn't have Harry Styles, and was just, like, a little more pared down, like, a little bit of a tighter, a little bit of a more low-budget movie, I think the reviews would have been fine. I think it would have been, like, you know, this was just sort of, like, a pretty solid, above-average, like, like high-concept, like, horror-thriller thing, mm-hmm. you know, with, like, socially conscious stuff going on. 
so it just had me thinking a little bit about how much what we are anticipating for a movie is going to color what we're like seeing. You know, how much our expectations really do like govern what we're what we're enjoying and what we're not. Yeah, I mean, I think, and that's that kind of is related to how marketing can kind of sink or help or sink a movie. Yeah, like I don't know, like, it makes me think of like Terriers. Yeah, the show where all the marketing was a bunch of dogs and nobody knew what the show was about. So yeah. they, I guess they had negative expectations about it. Like they thought it was a show about dogs on a beach. And yeah. It was about PIs in San Diego. Or, um, But I think that weirdly, while that did sink the show because I think the marketing was not good for that and the title was bad, mm-hmm. it off, it actually has kind of helped that show survive a little bit. Just by ver- one, because the show is fantastic. Like the legend of Terriers? Yeah, it's like yeah. people kind of discovered it with low expectations mm-hmm. and that really made it like really like crack for people yeah terriers, i actually want to watch terriers again it was it's good it's fantastic it really it's just one of the shows that should have been around a little longer just at the wrong time but yeah even like just two seasons would have been nice yeah but um yeah but also when sh- movies are kind of feel like they're marketed yeah it's like when movies are marketed as like a different genre kind of yeah that can kind of screw things up a little bit mm-hmm. i'm trying to think of an example right now but there's a bunch of them i mean a big one often i see is like oscar movies mm-hmm. because i think they all they have very high expectations because they are coming out the marketing for every oscar movie like a movie a big prestige movie is basically this is the best movie of the year yeah. right so when you have like a bunch of movies all being like we're the best movie of the year and you see it and it's just like like a b plus mm-hmm. people are going to treat it like it's a big like a c minus yeah you know and i think you get that a lot like i was thinking of um like still Alice, you ever see that movie? Uh, Julian Moore won Oscar for Best Actress for it. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I think a lot of the reviews are a lot of it are very much like, you know, it's fine. You know, she's very good, but like that movie's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of really good, just like solid dramas that often get dinged for not being the best movie of the year because yeah, they're fair. marketed as the best movie of the year. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another movie that was marketed as the wrong genre, <laughs> as the completely wrong genre. I mean, I feel like it sometimes happens with like horror movie if it's like kind of like a more thinking, like a weird, like it's it's like when you have like a horror, like a movie, it's like kind of like a non traditional, like kind of like weird horror movie and just marketed as like, like a, a slasher. slasher. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, there's like Ad Astra, which is like a really good artsy like space drama with yeah. Brad Pitt, which I think was marketed as like a big action movie, which it's really not. I mean, I can't. I know what you're talking about too. It's something me as well. But it is very common where the movie, the the trailers will just be like, it, where it's just like if it's a movie that's kind of interesting. And they don't know how to market it. Or Mother, Mother is a perfect example of this. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Jennifer Lawrence movie. Drive is a good one. Yeah. Because Drive is a like neo noir, very quiet movie, no dialogue, very, I don't know, very ma- kind of mannered. It's artsy fartsy. It's yeah. super artsy fartsy. Yeah. And it was marketed as if it was Fast and the Furious. Right. And funny enough, they I, we were talking about this. They they were sued by an idiot. Uh, a man who I assume is an idiot. I don't know personally, but I mean, certainly his actions suggest he is an idiot. <laughs> he sued uh, the filmmakers of Drive, the producers of Drive, for mismarketing it because he wanted it to be like a Fast and Furious movie, and it was not. What do you sue them for? Seventeen dollars? I no, we probably sued them for like four hundred billion dollars because that's how like lawsuits work. Yeah, and, and then just, it whittles down to seventeen. Right. Yeah. No, and then he got it got thrown out like instantly. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it was like the guy who sued Suicide Squad, the first one, not the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Yep. Okay, <laughs> for because he wanted there to be more Jared Leto Joker in it. And there's not a lot of Jared Leto Joker. In it. He's like the trailers made it seem like he'd be a major part in this. Oh, movie. that's the worst guy. Imagine if he like <laughs> succeeded in his lawsuit. <laughs> oh, and then he they they were legally mandated to edit in more Jared Leto. Scenes. Yeah, and it just makes that movie shittier. <laughs> Uh, although Suicide Squad, I wouldn't say that's misleadingly marketed. It's just like they showed a lot of Joker scenes because he's a popular character. Yeah. Like, and, well, he was, and it's slightly less. I guess that's kind of misleading. I don't know. I, I don't mean, know, but there's like movies that like will like mostly show stuff from like earlier in the movie. Yeah. You know, like like the Thor 4 came out recently. Mm-hmm. Four. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like it's TH, the, the number four. Right. And in that trailer, there's in like a two minute trailer, there's like a minute of Guardians of the Galaxy in there. Mm-hmm. But like they're only in the first like two minutes of that movie. But yeah. also the trailer is very much like here's what Thor's doing in Act 1, and then he goes off. It's, like, very clear that maybe they're not in it that much. Yeah. But, like, you know, it's like, it, anyway, you, you, hear, you hear what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's actually, it kind of reminds me of the same problem that happens with comedy trailers, mm-hmm. where it's, like, comedy trailers are often, there's a lot of comedy trailers that are so much better than the actual comedy, because you can take, if there's only <laughs> six good jokes in your movie, you can put them all in the trailer, and it looks like it's an amazing movie. Yeah. And it's it's misleading in a different way, and that it just makes it look like it's better than it, funnier than it is. 
But uh, um, yeah, if some some movies all is like you can condense almost any comedy into like a funny like minute. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. If you can't, you're in trouble. Well, that's right. Because I, I, I then this is a side topic, but like it is there's often this push pull of like, what are you going to put in the trailer? Yeah. Like apparently for the Simpsons movie. Um, there was like pushback. The marketing, like as soon as they saw Spider Pig, they're like, "That's the centerpiece of the marketing." <laughs> <laughs> like that's what we got to do. And the and the writers were like, "You can't like do, like Spider Pig's like our favorite joke. You got to let it play out. Like yeah. you can't put that in the trailer." And they're like, went to him. It's like, look, do you want to make a billion dollars or not? Yeah, they're literally like, look, like what we're talking, we literally think we're talking about like a twenty five million dollar opening without Spider Pig and like a forty million dollar <laughs> opening with Spider Pig, like including like, like which is funny because I remember when I watched the movie, I'm like, oh, the like the Harry Popper joke, yeah, is like I remember thinking like, oh, I wish that wasn't spoiled. That's a really good like joke, yeah. But also, man, I don't know, like, fuck me, I don't watch trailers anymore. That's the whole point. <laughs> I know it's tough because like you have to show your best stuff, but also that's sometimes it's nice to not have it. Yeah, not see beforehand. It's like the Batman Superman trailer that showed uh, Doomsday showing up at the end. Spoilers for Batman vs Superman. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to apologize. It's in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> um, where it's like, I get that's clearly was built up to be a surprise. Yeah. But also, if the movie's tracking low, you know, you want to show people Doomsday's in it. I mean, that's kind of low stakes. Cause I think that movie was not successful for most people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is also this gets into like a. I feel like we've made this complaint before. Just like movies that show or trailers that show stuff from like the last 10 minutes of the movie yeah yeah or that show the entire plot of the movie yeah apparently um um wreck you know that movie rec like recording it's like a horror, movie, a horror take, movie yeah apparently like the poster and the trailers all show like the last like two seconds the, of the poster movie. is spoilers yeah that's so funny yeah so like apparently it's like a very like it's like a wound being attacked or something. It's like a, a by a monster or something. Okay. But like something about that scene, if you're seeing the movie in context, it's like a huge spoiler. <laughs> like I don't know what it is, but apparently, like if you start watching the movie, you're like, oh god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. It's just like the usual suspects poster, just like the <laughs> You can say it, I'll bleep it out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just that he I, I don't even know what it, it it's like oh, it's like the usual suspects thing, but yep. it, he just has a sign around his You know Mondo. I feel like I texted these like using the word Mondo to mean like major. Yeah. It comes from this movie called Mondo Cane, which is like an Italian Italian for like a dog's world, which is like some sort of Italian expression for just like something crazy. And yeah. it's just like a weird like travelogue of just showing like insane, like disturbing imagery. <laughs> so that, and then that's like where like, I don't know, like Mondo Trasho or like Mondo whatever comes yeah. from. It's just this movie called Mondo Cane. <laughs> And it like sparked a genre of Mondo movies. Yeah. I really like the Mondo posters. They're good. Yeah. I, I wish to be able to afford one one day. <laughs> I start saving now. <laughs> you can put down the down payment and yeah. then, you know, some help from your parents. Yeah. Uh, other things about expectations. Uh, a game you hate but play a lot of? Cyberpunk. Uh, yeah. I, I came around in Cyberpunk. Okay. It's, but it's not perfect. Not, it's, I don't know. You can it's, shit talk video games. We're not working in the. I'm video not game shit industry. talking. I'm like trying to figure out what my views on cyberpunk are. It's like cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's cyberpunk, but like it's a stealth game, not because you get killed because you're you're very so you're shy. shy. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, cyberpunk. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Somebody should, somebody <laughs> should make like a stealth game where it's just that you're very shy, right? And you don't want people to notice you, and that's why it's stealth. Oh yeah, you have to like you're go like to the grocery. Like, yeah, you run to the grocery store. And you don't want to make eye contact with anybody. <laughs> you go to the grocery store, but like there's like acquaintances in there, not like friends, people you like kind of know and don't know if you how long you want to talk to them. Yeah, you haven't seen a couple years, and you're like, oh, that conversation would be kind of awkward. So you're just like avoiding them in the aisles. And yeah, stuff. and then like your big, your big like boss levels, you run into your ex girlfriend at a party. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see her first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see your ex girlfriend at a party, and you're trying to like make your way around. Right. You're like, it's like okay, I want a beer, but she's in the kitchen. Can I ask someone? Yeah. <laughs> is there a beer? Is there a second? Is there a garage with a second fridge? <laughs> yeah, it's basically yeah. It's I, I've become obsessed with the game Hitman, but it, yeah. it's Hitman, but you're just trying to like do normal stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just living with anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Yeah, if I if I could code, if we had the ability to make indie games or do anything about game design. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that thing when people are like, oh man, like I have this great idea for a movie. I just need someone to write it. It's like, oh, great. So, yeah. so you have nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> great ideas are... <laughs> the first thing you learn when you're trying to become a writer is that ideas are worthless. <laughs> God, it's... I, I Fucking soapbox. I mean, it's like when the people say, oh, what's like, right? Like, what's best screenplay? Is that the dialogue? I'm like, 
if you do like years of work, you get to write dialogue. And yeah. dialogue will be changed anyway at the last minute. Yeah. Like writing is whatever. I mean, can't we can't do this again. <laughs> uh but Cyberpunk had a oh. lot of hype on it. Like yeah. an insane amount, mostly because of Keanu Reeves, I think. But yeah. Uh, and then when it came out, a lot of people were really disappointed by it. Yeah. Well, actually, and then it's funny, video game trailers are kind of do the same thing as comedy trailers. Because it's all cinematics. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not the real, it's, it's either like cinematics, which is like straight up not gameplay, or it's like kind of cherry picked gameplay. Yeah. Or it's like upscaled graphics or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of the best version of the game, but it's not really what it is. Yeah. I mean, and I guess... I mean, you you came around to Cyberpunk because you were not plugged into all the hype. So, like, you were able to just, you know... I was a little plugged into that. So you were, like, a little disappointed, but then came around to it. Yeah, I think it's also, like, I'm just... I have trouble getting into, like, RPGs like that mm-hmm. just because I'm like, I don't want to fucking manage my inventory. I'm yeah. sorry. And also, I hate cutscenes, and it has cutscenes. Or does it have... Yeah, it does have cutscenes. So it's like, I, I, like, really don't like cutscenes, and it had enough of those. But then, like, once you get through the main story, and you're just kind of doing stuff. And then when I figure it out, like, kind of how shit works. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the arc of the game, of people being really disappointed by it, and then eventually being like, oh, it's like a... It's, it's like fine. A, yeah, it's like a B. Yeah. But, like, it was marketed as, this is going to be an A++++ game. Yeah, it's kind of like the Oscar movies. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. and I think that's very common for video games, because all video games have to have so much, especially AAA games. Yeah. Really? Okay. Maybe video games is the better topic here, because... <laughs> Once again. Because, like, I think you see that so much, where, like, really big AAA games will often get dinged for little things. You know, because they have so much hype on them, because they're presenting themselves as the next big thing. Where there's so many like indie games yeah. that are just like solid that end up getting like beloved because yeah. they're like have no expectations of them. Yeah, I mean that's I mean back to movies, it's kind of like that thing of like just making people like love movies that are just like a really straightforward like action movie. Yeah, that's like not swinging too hard, mm-hmm. and it's like almost like in a, like a smart way where like. People, like the the film nerds are like oh my god it's just like the most straightforward action movie it's amazing <laughs> yeah well funny another movie I watched last week a movie I, I really I liked uh, quite a bit was Barbarian the horror movie mm-hmm. uh, and it's funny the way people were talking about it was like it's this crazy thing the trailers are like hiding something really interesting about this movie and like it's this like one of the great horror movies and I watched and it is a very good horror movie yeah uh, I don't think there's I mean I bet I could spoil the movie like the the twist and it would not really impact people's enjoyment of it that much. I don't think it really is a twist movie. Uh, but I was a little disappointed just because all the reviews I read were like, it's this brilliant thing. And then I realized like, oh, the reviewers were seeing this out of nowhere. All they knew was it's a horror movie and they were invited to see it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm going in with weeks of all the film critics I follow on Twitter being like, oh man, holy shit, barbarian, you guys right? Huh? Like ribbing each other. Yeah. Uh, and like, I bet, I I mean, I, I liked it, but I bet I may have loved it if I just kind of came across it on hbo or something yeah it's true it's i mean it's tough because like it's kind of the whole problem with just like marketing in general was just like it's it's kind of counterproductive to the actual artistic process but you got to get people to see the damn thing right exactly i mean it's uh, to bring up the oscars again that's what happens often with the oscar race itself which is like you want to position yourself as the front runner but if you do that too early everyone like will want to vote against you because they're like tired you know yeah it's like with last year like power of the dog like was since it came out in october of last year it was like oh man great movie masterpiece everyone's going to see it vote best picture best picture and at the very last minute it was coda because mm-hmm. you know it was fucking four months of everyone being like this is the best movie ever and i think people just got eventually came to it and like ah, oh, maybe not and then they just discovered coda on apple tv yeah and it was like then we really punched the votes weight in that way. Then, yeah. yeah. I mean, I like both those movies, mm-hmm. but like that's a dynamic you see a lot in the Oscar race. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the other thing I've written down here is No Man's Sky, which I think had a very uh, similar arc to yeah. Cyberpunk, but more heightened maybe. Well, it was also kind of different because No Man's Sky basically like transformed into a totally, it kind of like followed through in all its promises over the course of like several years after that. Right. It came out and it was not what it said. Yeah. And yeah. then it kind of over time developed into what it said. Yeah. Or closer to what it said. It, it like added a lot. It like legitimately added a lot of features later. Yeah. I've heard that about Spore as well, where Spore had so much hype on it. Yeah. And then apparently it is like some people come back around to it and that is like, yeah, it's like a pretty fun, solid, high concept, weird little game. Yeah. But like, it, I mean, the, the, the advertising for Spore was like, it's will take you from, you know, a molecule to conquering the stars with all the complexity. And it's like, it's like five mini games. Yeah. They're, they're all fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a lot of time. I mean, I've become wary of like in video games that promise like really crazy mechanics like that. Cause yeah. I'm like, you know, I, there's only so far technology can jump. Yeah. In this, in like one game. 
Yeah. Did you ever? This is like a dumb piece of internet history. Hmm. Do you ever? Were you in Reddit for the dragon RPG thing? No. This was like ten years ago or more, and it was when when Reddit was like very much more, very much more niche. Yeah. Um, and like being a redditor was like more of a thing. Yeah. Um, and like back when R slash jailbait still existed. Yeah, yeah, it's like that <laughs> level of like how much of like a fucking weird place that was. Yeah, Reddit was very different just five years ago. Yeah. Um. So they had some woman posted a um. Um, just a picture of like some polygon like dragons, mm-hmm. like you know, like how like graphics for video games they start with little polygon shapes and you like add textures and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just like I am like building an uh, an MMORPG by myself, a scientifically based dragon RPG, scientifically based, eh? Yeah, like completely, and they like really said like completely scientifically based with like realistic dragon breeding and like genetics and like all this stuff. Okay, and it got like shot to the front top of the front page. Right, and people were, like losing their mind. Like wow, science, realistic, a big RPG. This looks amazing. Yeah, it's like so hyped, and then like someone in the comment was like, "You're making an MMORPG yeah. by yourself as yeah. a one person." Like they were basically saying, "Like it is incredibly hard to make a video game by yourself at all, like to make a side scroller." And right. MMORPG requires like hundreds of people. And right. like, what do you mean by scientifically based dragons? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what do you mean by breeding? And like, it was very clear that everyone was just like, "That's a cool idea," and then like hyped it all up. And people, right. people want to believe. Obviously, that's <laughs> fake because it's on Reddit. Right. Yeah. Like it's like, like all you did was post some polygons. PSA: <laughs> any image, any image you see on Reddit, the caption is not real. I've never like any time I've ever bothered to do research into a caption, even on like the historical subreddits, it is like in some way not true. <laughs> I so funny. It actually it, it still exists. The the, the post the dragon RPG. Oh, okay. The the original post. The, the game never came out. Obviously, because yes. it's not a real thing. It yeah. was just it was just someone who was like was really excited about an idea they had yeah. and had was like building textures. Right. Um. But yeah, they said, "Dear Internet, I am a 26 year old lady who has been developing a science based 100 percent dragon MMO." Okay, so it's wait, 100 oh, not 100 percent <laughs> science, 100 percent dragon. <laughs> yes. Uh, so does that mean there's no people? It's just dragons. I, I'll show you the image in a second. It says, I'm, a, I'm finally making my beta website now using my 3D work as a base to create my concept images. Wish me luck, Reddit. You'll be the first to see the site when it's finished. Uh, and it, that, that's what they posted. <laughs> yeah, just like some polygon dragons in like, that, a, in like are, a Minecraft landscape. They are also photoshopped on top of that landscape. They are not in the rendered game. in there. Right, exactly. And like it got a million like awards. And was and now the, the, the upvotes are not as high because people came around to it. But yeah, like then suddenly some people like realize that this is just someone who is had a cool idea and was excited, but like was just completely not realistic about what it takes to make a game. Yes. <laughs> um, but I don't know that that's a hype like that woman with her dragon RPG is sort of what happened to like No Man's Sky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is what happens to all of these AAA games where they're just like really hyped on their idea. And I'm sure there are engineers in there who are just like go like seething at marketing. Like stop telling them we can do this <laughs> stop telling the nerds to be hopeful i feel like that happens with to bring it back to like movies and tv i feel like that happens in the world of tv more than in the world of movies because mm-hmm. like big promise like those giant promises that don't pay off oh wait you're talking about like plot lines and shows yeah or like in marketing kind of being like this is going to be like a world changing like like it's going to change like the entire way you experience TV is going to be like a totally like immersive thing. Yeah. Cause like a movie is kind of like a discreet like entity, entity yeah. that can't really quite make promises like that. Right. Whereas like TV, I feel like kind of can't, I don't know. I'm thinking of like, well, like Westworld kind of paid off at least in the first season, but like stuff like that, where yeah. it's like huge promises, huge hype. And then you kind of watch it like, yeah, it's like, not exactly that, but it's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, you see it a lot with everyone trying to make their Game of Thrones uh, uh, spinoffs. Yeah. Or, or like, um, like ri- not ripoffs, but like people trying to create the next Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, which you see a lot. I mean, Stranger Things is the closest just in terms of like sheer cultural saturation. Mm-hmm. But like everyone wanting to do the next huge budget epic show that everyone watches. And there's been a lot of like clones of that over the years. Mm-hmm. And now finally we're getting an actual Game of Thrones show. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Rings of Power, I think, is Amazon trying to do that. Rings of Power also feels like a Game of Thrones clone, which yeah. is funny because, you know, obviously uh, Lord of the Rings predates it in movie and in book form by a lot. Yeah. But 
you know. Yeah, but then it is very clear that Rings of Power is trying to be the next game. Or like yeah. Apple did that with Foundation a little bit and with, and which I know is a little more complicated. And C. And C, yeah. C was very much like, we're mm-hmm. doing the next big game, like high concept, like medieval style Game of Thrones. Although that's the future, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like everyone, it, it's, it's ch- you, you can't blame them for chasing the hype. But like Game of Thrones, when it came out, was not like we're the next Game of Thrones. It was just like we're adapting we are Game this, of Thrones, right? We're, we're and people were like, "What's that?" Yeah. <laughs> and then an army of nerds who've been reading this shit in the '90s were just like, "What?" <laughs> On HBO, yeah, the fancy person On network, home box office. <laughs> it's not TV. It's <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Then what is it? <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay, just because. Um, I brought up Game of Thrones. I know it's on it. You want you want to pivot to our next topic? Sure. Cool. Okay. Here's my brilliant segue. Mm. Uh, the next topic: non traditional relationships. Game of Thrones. A lot of non traditional relationships. Yeah. <laughs> Cersei and Jamie. In pretty non traditional. Yeah. In a bad way. Yeah. To be to be clear, and some of the examples we'll talk about are non traditional in good or interesting ways. Where, yeah. Whereas Game of Thrones, not so much. Okay. I guess to intro this, I started thinking about this because of Phantom Thread. Phantom Thre- when we watched Phantom Thread the other week, mm-hmm. it uh, ends on a. I mean, I'm kind of lumping it into like a non traditional relationship in their weird Munchausen by proxy, like power dynamic. Yeah. She's like a dominatrix for him, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. Uh, so non traditional relationship. Yeah. And in general, I love seeing non traditional relationships in relationships. movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, because I feel like. It's interesting. Most people's relationships are not exactly cookie cutter fitting in with what a rom-com is or what a rom- romance is. So it's nice to see people making it work in different ways in movies. And it is more acceptable now than it ever has been. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people's relationships are very different in a lot of big and small ways. And it's cool to see movies that are not just like movies on TV that like a relationship isn't just we are so super over the top in love with each other and constantly doing, the, you know, like rom-com stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I do love a good rom-com. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Phantom Thread, good example. I mm-hmm. mean, they're they're happy. It's a little fucked up, but yep. it works for them. Yep. And they're 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 consenting with open eyes. <laughs> yep. And they yeah, and they at the end of it, they have like settled into an equilibrium that works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, secretary. We talked about a lot on the secretary episode. Yep. Uh, if you're listening, go back and listen to those episodes. The good episodes. Yeah. Uh, I, the Phantom Thread one especially is fucking great. Yeah. You guys should- <laughs> <laughs> we are so good. <laughs> it's about that and Devil Wears Prada. I really recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, secretary. There's a, it's a BDSM relationship that's like not just that in the bedroom, but it's more kind of holistic to their whole yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also something they had to kind of figure out themselves in a very non-traditional way because they have trouble talking. Yeah, and they kind of don't have the, they're not like in the BDSM communities, it seems like. Right. So they don't have like the language for it. So yeah, they have to find their equilibrium like naturally. Right. And it's so much not just about they find it's actually gratifying, but also just about like how important it is for them to be in a kind of dom-sub cycle for their like emotional well-being. Yeah. Which is interesting and smart. Yeah. All right, another one. Her? Her. Yeah. <laughs> Dating and operating system. Yep. She's an operating system. It's kind of like a long-distance relationship in that she doesn't, but more because she doesn't have a physical body. Right. And uh, I guess if you haven't seen her, it's about a guy who like downloads like a very smart dating AI a- AI program that he like is like a relationship. Uh, I program. think it's just like supposed to be his OS, and the idea is that. Oh, it's, really? like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just supposed to be like a high an AI OS, like operating system. I haven't and, seen that movie in a while. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's sort of the gradual thing that he happens. He starts to fall in love with her. Oh, fine. Like, she starts to learn more and more. She's around, and he falls in love with her, and like that's so. That's like he doesn't yeah, download I'm, her with the intention of dating her, which uh, makes it even more non traditional. That's great. Uh, which funny enough lead to my favorite my favorite part in that movie where he's talking Although, to is that harassment is that workplace harassment? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's at his home computer. But he he basically hired her as a servant. <laughs> he bought her. <laughs> Wait, that's what I said. <laughs> uh, anyway, my favorite part of the movie, we were talking to Chris Pratt, and he's just, and Chris Pratt's like, "Oh, you should bring your girlfriend to like a picnic we're having." It's like, "Oh, uh, she's actually an OS," and he's like, oh, "Okay, that's great." <laughs> cool. Yeah, it just shows like non-traditional relationships can can be you know like just a part of normal society if we're not weird dicks about it yeah and then the other thing that was non-traditional about it is that she is also simultaneously dating like fifty thousand other people right okay so this so was it's like my, also an open relationship so that this was my my hot take which is that 
despite the only thing non-traditional about that relationship is that she is a computer or that she's a program yeah other than that it's like a pretty straightforward rom-com they just you know they fall in love it's a little meat cute you know yeah but then you find out she's dating fifty thousand other people simultaneously and it's right. kind of like an open relationship right that's the non-traditional part other yeah. than that it's just a monogamous relationship but then you realize oh because she can actually be present everywhere all at once yeah uh which is actually a really cool twist yeah uh, but that i mean that's on her for not i mean that could have worked if she had actually talked to him about it yeah i mean that's really important yeah <laughs> so you just got to keep the key to non-traditional relationships and any relationships communication yeah yeah uh with your fifty thousand people you're dating yep simultaneously <laughs> uh hers great man oh, i gotta go back really i haven't seen it very high pants very high pants. It's like very high pants. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the all the design of that movie is great. Yeah. Just how it's very, it's like futuristic in a way that's vague and kind of not just like, you know, oh, in the future, everyone will wear shiny chrome. It's like, no, no I don't know, like shit, some shit will come back. It'll be a hodgepodge of various fashion styles. Yeah. Like it always is. It's like not future, it's not futuristic by being like technologically advanced. It's by just being different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other examples of non-traditional relationships, Harold and Maude. Yep. Uh, she's old. Very, she's very old. He's very young. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's interesting because like they, they do, they do like sleep together in that movie. Yeah. And they do like fall in love, but like a lot of the relationship isn't so much about like, we're in this great romance. It's sort of like we have this connection and she sees an opportunity to make his life a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like sort of like a, uh, um, you know, it's like uh, Dan Savage has like the campsite rule for if you're the older person in a relationship, just leave it better than you found it. Oh, right. And that's yeah. sort of like her mods thing on this. It's yeah. just like, oh, she, he's the sad little boy. I'm kind of interested into him, but I'm, this is really just sort of about this brief moment that we're passing. Yeah. Which she realizes and he is not aware of because he's young and young people are dumb. Yeah. And uh, uh, she is a old nightmare woman. <laughs> She's, right. You find Maud quite stressful. She's a manic pixie dream ancient woman. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. It's so funny. Uh and Ruth Gordon is the fucking best. She's very good. Yeah. It's and, a good movie. And no, take okay, credit to Bud Court too. He's a good Harold. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good movie. I like that movie. I'm just saying if that if Maud existed in real life, I would go goddamn insane if I knew her. <laughs> Which to be fair, I mean she's it she's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing you gotta understand. Like that's how you do a good a good manic pixie dream girl in a movie is mm-hmm. like Careful. They, in universe <laughs> in universe they're difficult. Yeah, yeah. Like, there has to be an actual element of like, oh, I get why this would be stressful because that must makes them real. If they're just perfect and weird, then it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't work. Although I actually haven't seen. I feel like Garden State is like the go-to example, and I haven't seen that one. I think it was one. like a Keith Phipps review of Garden State where he coined manic pixie dream girl, which I think he has since regretted. Yes, he's <laughs> <laughs> been overused and also kind of co-opted by people who just don't like women yeah is garden state good i haven't seen I mean, general I, consensus seems to be no but i haven't seen it in a long time yeah i wonder if it's one of those things that people have just kind of turned on because of the you know it's very much a like you know he's very successful man who's just kind of sad like, yeah. like you know and i think there's not really as much of an appetite for like general ennui it's kind of the same problem as uh american beauty yeah which i i'm like yeah Rich people can be sad too. Yeah, I defend American Beauty quite a bit. I like American Beauty. I think still. it's. I think it's a very good movie. Um, the fact that Kevin Spacey is in it doesn't help, but yeah, right. The fact that it's about Kevin Spacey having a crush on a minor is uh, bad. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, those are all bad things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It makes it, it's very uncomfortable to watch now. I assume. Yeah, um, but it's a good movie. I, I yeah, I've, I've that's a, I guess that's a hot take these days, but I, I think it's a pretty solid movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Garden State. I mean, one of these days I'll get around. Maybe for next like movie. Very, night. It's like very twee and affected. Yeah. And it's like, but I don't know. It's that's not always bad. Yeah, it's like I mean Wes Anderson's very twee and affected and he's a genius and makes the best movies. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Shit. What's what's what Defend the Twee. Can we do Garden State? Is there another Garden State? I don't know what the plot of Garden State is. Is it just or just back he's back home for a funeral of a relative, I think. Mm. So just like going back home? Yeah. That's something. I mean, there's like uh uh is Garden State Highbrow? Oh, uh, it might be. It might just not f- clearly fit in the highbrow, lowbrow dichotomy. Well, if it's highbrow, the uh, the Ryan Reynolds comedy Just Friends is about him going home. I mean, there's a lot of going home for the holidays movies. Yeah, true. <laughs> that are pretty. Low and brow. also, like going home for a funeral is like a specific thing. Yeah, but those tend like, to be. Li- is Elizabeth Town about that? Yeah, I think so. I think they meet and like a funeral and then like some other stuff happens. Yeah, but he has like some goofy ass job, right? He like does. It's like shoes. He He makes shoes. But he like owns a shoe factory or something. He owns a shoes. 
<laughs> he owns a shoe. He owns a shoe. What a career. He's like a hype beast. He just like resells sneakers he on was, Grailed. He was so far ahead of his time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know this is where I leave you is about okay, that. And okay. And he so returns to New Jersey after his mother dies. So actually, those are very similar movies. Yeah. Which one's highbrow? Which one's low? Maybe. Okay. Idea for an episode. Oh. Two movies. We're not sure which one's highbrow, which one's lowbrow. Oh. We compare them. And then by the end of the episode, we have to decide which one is the high and which one's the low. I mean, I don't hate it. Shit. Okay. Well, double debate. <laughs> yeah, double debate. Well, after we have one on the docket, but not that we've, you know, we have movies we're doing next for next one. But after that, I'm not opposed to just doing Garden State versus Elizabethtown. It's <laughs> sort of which one is highbrow, which one is lowbrow. It's funny. The thing that makes me think Garden State is highbrow is like in my mind, literally just the shot of him wearing the shirt that matches the uh, wallpaper. Yeah, because that's just like visually interesting. Yeah, it seems like he's trying to make something. Yeah, deep and interesting. He's, yeah. he's, he's taking bigger swings. But then again, Cameron Crowe, obviously, is a highbrow filmmaker in a lot of ways. Okay, what's the, is there just a lowbrow going back for a funeral? Uh, to the fucking... I mean, so I, guess I mentioned This Is Where I Leave You, which I think is a highbrow movie. It's like trying to be a big drama, uh, which is solid. Death at a Funeral? I mean, it's like the... I mean, so highbrow, I mean, yeah, I think Big Chill is that, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Death, death at a Funeral is kind of that. Here's what we, can, we can do Death in the Funeral in Garden State. That'd be kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen either Death in a Funeral. Other examples of non-traditional relationships. Oh, You're the Worst. Right. One of my favorite shows. Yeah. Um, I mean, spoiler for You're the Worst, I guess, but nobody watches it, so I don't think it matters. But if you are going to watch it, skip ahead about 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, it ends with them. Uh, they're like in love with each other. They were going to get married. They call off the wedding, and then you like do a time jump forward, and they are together, and they have a child, but they're not married. And he has this whole long speech about how he likes the... Uh, he wants to be able... He wants to like choose to be with her every day instead of being forced into it by a marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very nice spe- like very nice piece of dialogue, and it's uh, interesting. So just like having a kid and not being married is, you know, not traditional. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I haven't, I haven't seen the show, so I don't have a take on that, but that, I've, I've been meaning to watch it. Great show. Yeah. Uh, and then not traditional relationships, one more. So we talk, We jokingly mentioned Game of Thrones mm-hmm. with the incest. Yes. Uh, as the dragon, there's also incest. Yes. Also bad. Yeah. But there's also a relationship, mild spoilers for House of the Dragon. Uh, there's a relationship where a character, uh, a female character who is straight, gets betrothed to a uh, gay man. Mm-hmm. And they just basically work out the agreement. It's like, look, we both understand what's happening here. Yeah. I know you got to keep your shit quiet because, you know, this is Westeros and there's a lot of homophobia in Westeros. Yep. But let's just like be married. You do your thing. I'll do my thing. And like, we'll make it work. Mm-hmm. And like, in theory, that's a very, a very adult, grown up, non traditional relationship. Yep. It just so happens it also tends to fall apart because they are not like good at being partners, even beyond not being sexual. They're just like not good co-parents. Yeah. <laughs> but so like it just shows that like, you know, you gotta communicate. <laughs> yeah. It's like you have to even if you're not like sexual partners, you have to be partners. Right, exactly. You gotta be there. Yeah. You gotta be present. Uh Lainor or whatever his name is. Um <laughs> Laney. <laughs> freaking George R. R. Martin with all his fucking names that sound the same. <laughs> it's such a weird like uh calling card. I appreciate it, but it does get frustrating. Yeah. You know, Jorah's dad is Gior, stuff like that. Right, yeah. yeah. All the Renera, Renaris, Reynas, yeah, Reynors, what, what is that? <laughs> Why does he do... I guess maybe the idea is that, like, the families kind of reuse names with I mean, different variations. There are families in real life who, will, you know, all their kids will have, uh, you know, the same, like, first... You'll, I mean, our friend uh, 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 Michael... And his cousin and his brothers Matthew and Mark mm-hmm. is yep. an example of that. Yeah, I mean, my brother's name is Jacob, but that's just kind of a coincidence. The Kardashians. Yeah, damn. There you go. Yep. Oh, yeah. And now when they went out of their way, they gave them names that don't begin with K, but put K's in them. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of they, they are <laughs> the, Tar- the Targaryens <laughs> of our of our time. <laughs> the Kardashians are the Kardashians. Keeping of our up time. with the Targaryens. <laughs> the Kardashians are the Targaryens of our time. <laughs> Uh, I like that a lot. Also, I that's a good idea for a show. I'd love to watch just like a fucking Real Housewives of Westeros. I think it's a funny idea. Yeah, Does that I exist? Mean, that feels like that exists. It, yeah, it feels like a funnier die thing. Yeah, I, I, I bet that's what it is. Yeah. Um, okay, I think that's all I have on non-traditional I think that's all I got, too. <laughs> uh, last topic, and I think we can wrap up. All right. Um, Jean-Luc Godard died. Oh, yeah. Yes. Love yeah, him. Yeah. Jean-Luc Godard, he was exceedingly old. Yeah. So it's not a tragic death. No. But uh, it is a big deal because he, Jean-Luc Godard, uh, did not single-handedly create the French New Wave, but he, I think, was at the vanguard of it and was associated as it's one of the, you know, like Breathless feels like 
the th- like like I know four hundred blows came first, but Breathless feels like really like when shit hit the f- where everyone's like this is the French New Wave. Here's what it's going to be. Yeah, uh, and he was a huge, huge influential figure for filmmakers, not just in France but everywhere. Uh, also, famously a cranky uh, asshole, kind of a grump. Yeah, real, real grumpy guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I feel like him and Truffaut. Truffaut is like nice guy, new wave, and Godard is like bad boy, new wave. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, which funny. I watched Breathless for the first time the day after he died. As like a oh know, really? Yeah, uh, I love great, that movie. Great movie. Yeah. Also, the first line of the movie is first of all, I'm an asshole. Yeah. Which the first line of his first movie, I think his first movie. Uh, that can't be his first movie. He has like 40,000 movies. I know, but I think that's like that's why it's such a big deal is that he started with that. Um, Jean-Luc, God, Ard. Yeah, Breathless was his first movie. Shit. Yeah, that's a crazy start. Um, I mean, it does make sense because it like it looks like it would be very inexpensive to make. Yeah, so anyway, it's very much like, you know, it's clear of like what he... he I guess he knew he was an asshole. It doesn't make it better, but... Um, yeah. And also, to my knowledge, he was not like uh, uh, an abusive... He was just personally a dick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, like he he would not get me too. I don't believe he's just like unpleasant to be around. Yeah, and then he was like also later in his career became like hyper political, but in like a very French way. Yeah, in a way that's that like, like unintelligible to an American like me. Right. Yeah. Like, what does it mean to be like like a French left wing socialist? Like, I don't know what policies that is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you are against. And there, yeah, and there's a lot of movies where it's like young French people being like obsessed with being revolutionaries, and I'm just like, I don't really understand the context of like what they're revolting against. <laughs> yeah. But Godard really was a genius in his way. And I, I'm not as into him as some other, those wave of filmmakers, but you know, watching breathless, you can just see like the energy coming off the screen, which is how like, you know, he really wanted to shake up what was a very, I guess was a very like staid and boring French cinema at the time. Yeah. Uh, I'd say if you're going to get in Godard, you, you start with breathless and breathless or band of outsiders. I'd say was the best in yeah. on Godard. And then I'd say after that, I really like Masculine Feminine. Um, Weekend is like a really famous influential one, but it is hard to watch. Right. I would I watched it second after Band of Outsiders and I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like beautiful, but it's just like a lot. There's just a lot of kind of like non-narrative stuff happening. Yeah. Um, what else? I've seen a lot of these, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, Contempt is one of his big ones. Oh, Contempt Alphaville is, really, is one of his big I ones. I did not like Alphaville. That one's very uh, hit or miss for people, I find. Yeah, I like. I wanted to like Alphaville because I'm like, cool, noir, like, futuristic noir shit, yeah. and it's just like, I, it, just, it didn't work for me. Yeah, uh, Pierre Olafou. I like Pierre Olafou. I like the Le Carbonier. Um, yeah, Contempt is really good. Yeah, and just, I mean... He's a good movie maker, filmmaker. Yeah, if you're someone who's interested in film and film i mean a lot of, you, you can see it on twitter a lot of modern filmmakers all came out to just like like james gunn guy came out and like did a whole tweet thread about how much goodard meant to him and how influential it was and yeah. how much breathless like meant to him and things like that so yeah. but definitely yeah band of outsiders breathless are like the ones to start yeah. with i would maybe start with band of outsiders i think it's a little more conventional a little more, easier to track it's a little more fun yeah yeah whereas, more plot yeah whereas breathless is very much just propelled by energy yeah it's, it's like, like a hangout movie yeah exactly with just like this guy who's just like a real dick yeah and this woman who is just around him for some reason yeah <laughs> just even though he has no qualities apparently yeah he's just like sheer force of will yeah uh yeah band of uh band of outsiders ha- which is also like that's where quentin tarantino's production, production company, company comes band from apart, yeah. band apart because that's the band apart is like the the french, french title yeah um my favorite scene in Band of Outsiders is when they're just dancing in the cafe yeah. and then the music keeps on cutting in and out. And it's like this really interesting thing about just like how just like playing with how like music and sound works. And it's just great. Oh, yeah. And that was the I mean, it's not the only they were not the first people to play with sound and sound design. But that was the great promise of the French New Wave in general was them just being able to push break the rules if it was tell help them tell the story they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is kind of tragic, but interesting. Not not tragic, but the fact that Godard was at the the vanguard and was the most associated with New Wave, it's interesting that he was the last French New Wave filmmaker to die. Yeah. Given that he was like the first, mm-hmm. you know, Varda a few years before and then him. So there's something kind of poetic about that, yeah. I find. And uh, credit where it's due to the legend and uh, since we're a film podcast, wanted to bring it up. Yep. Uh, I think we're good. Some wrecks. <laughs> Some recommendations. Band of Outsiders. Band of Outsiders. <laughs> okay. We already talked about it, but yes. Yeah. Band of Outsiders, the movie by Charles. Go Kodak. watch Band of Outsiders. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. If Specifically, if you want to have an idea of like what's cool about Band of Outsiders, uh, just watch the cafe scene. Yeah. It's great. Uh, also, a uh, quick chat to another movie I like, The Weekend. It's like a... Um, uh, 
It's like a just like a, a drama about grownups came out a few years back, like mm. 2015 ish. There's a they do a very they, they talk about that scene in the movie. Oh, fun! And about how much it means to them. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, mine's also a movie, uh, Athena, uh, out on Netflix right now. Oh, what's that? Uh, it is a uh, directed by Romain Gavras, who is uh, Costa Gavras's son. Costa Gavras, a famous Greek filmmaker, mm-hmm. made a lot of political films. It is. Uh, it's like it, it's real. Okay, it is. About a in France, a um, a young uh, Muslim like boy is beaten to death by what appears to be police officers. Yeah, and the uh, the projects they're in, like the the neighborhood they're in, called Athena, like basically goes to war with the cops over it. Okay, cool. uh, like it becomes like a siege, and like it's played as a like an action like an action movie mm-hmm. in a, like in a weird way. It's like it's very much not realistic in like what it would be like a police. And like protesters were at each other, but it, it's more like like a fucking Roman battle sequence. That's cool because uh, it's very heightened and mythic and how it tells a story. Uh, it's a really, uh, really exciting, really interesting movie. Uh, it starts with an eleven minute tracking shot, uh, which I know like it's a little hacky. Like everyone's always like, "Oh, like how long a shot goes on does not mean it's good." Yeah, but this shit is jaw dropping. Yeah, <laughs> it's generally one of the most impressive like sequences in the movie I've ever seen. It's like really thrilling. Even if you had, even if you don't love the movie, it is just like incredible filmmaking. And even if you don't want to watch the movie, just throw it on Netflix. Watch watch it until the word Athena comes on screen eleven yeah. minutes in, and you're gonna be like, I Jesus fucking Christ, I have no idea how they did that. <laughs> is that just like fucking three miles of dolly track? <laughs> it it's great because it, it it covers a lot of physical distance. It yeah. goes from like the police station to the projects, and like goes. I, I well, saw behind the scenes of it. That is some very <laughs> impressive gripping. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, there's a behind the scenes video they posted. It's literally just them handing off a camera between like motorcycles and cars and stuff and like they showed it of just they put like little body cams mm-hmm. on the camera operators and it's just like real, it's literally just them being like oh man <laughs> <laughs> just grabbing it oh wow uh so really uh really cool exciting movie i hope some people will see it all right great, great review yeah, subscribe <laughs> follow us on instagram follow us on tiktok <laughs> hblb podcast for both uh, we're, we're, we've been taking, uh, we've been a little busy, so I'm taking a little bit of break from posting, but we will be back at it with a vengeance with the clips next week. Yeah. To clarify, we're still doing episodes regularly. It's just been hard to get the, 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 the socials. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye Bye forever. forever.